This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you're listening to us, whenever you're listening to us, we hope you're well. We are recording this on Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all you hot mamas out there. What about the ugly moms? I said this on Twitter or on Facebook. I got a lot of props for it. Every mom on Mother's Day is hot. Oh, okay. That's not. Nope. Yes. Right. On Mother's Day, at least. Well. I'm going to, I'm going to give them a 24-hour hotness license. Is Casey Anthony a hot mom today? Oh, you're going right for that, aren't you? <laughs> first, oh, man. First 30 no, seconds. No chill whatsoever, Byersdorf. First three. Hey, I'm in rare form Sunday nights. Um, Are you going to answer it? <laughs> it's, it's, okay. No, don't. Don't. Can't, no. No, I mean, don't. Wait, no. She's, don't. She's moving on. She's no, not, don't. She, don't answer. She, don't say anything. Okay. Every, Let's move right on. Every mom but Casey Anthony gets a 24-hour <laughs> hot license on Mother's Day. Any other murderous moms out there you want to, to give a shout-out to while we're at it, Clay Byersdorfer? Uh, what about Paula Sims? I don't know who Paula Sims is. Oh, see, you guys are... You know, you're not young. So Paula Sims was uh, out of the Alton area, and she, uh, she due to postpartum depression, she murdered her daughters, Lorelai and Heather. Okay. One in 1986 and one in 1990 or so. The first one, they couldn't solve it because she said that somebody came and kidnapped the baby. Okay. And ran away with it. Okay. Well, then she used the, the same the excuse. The dingo ate my baby. Yeah, the dingo yeah. ate my baby. And then she used the same excuse for the second baby, and the cops were like, oh. Two babies, same person, something's, uh, something's well, amiss. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, yeah. so. Now she's serving a nice life term. Okay, and she so, smothered her babies with pillows, and so mom. My, you, what are we talking, why, what are we talking about here? Stop. My, no, no, that, no. My stop. mother used to stop. then used to play Paula Sims with us. She did <laughs> All right, Come here, Mama, let's play Paula Sims. Next. Mama Hanselman used to play Paula Sims with you and pretend to smother you with a pillow? So that is correct. All right. Next it's a very this, loving this, relationship yeah, we have. See, I've met your mom, and she seems like she's the nicest person. I can't imagine her even joking about that. Oh, yeah. She yeah, she thought that was kind of funny. Okay, so all moms... <laughs> should, we, than, should we just start the show over? Other than Casey <laughs> Anthony and Paula Sims are given a 24-hour hot license on Mother's Day. Yes. And any other murderous moms that we cannot think of also do not get a 24-hour hot license. What about the lady who drove her kids into the lake? Yeah, she does not get one either. <laughs> the same thing with that woman in Dallas who drowned all four, yeah, of, her, that lady. Her, all four of her sons in the bathtub. She does not get a hot license either. Yeah. All four... All, <clears throat> those women all ugly as hell. Don't make the no cut. No matter what. Don't make the cut. All right. <laughs> Joining us later, probably shamefully, good thing he's not hearing this, is... <laughs> St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist and author of the new book, The Big 50, St. Louis Cardinals, The Men and the Moments, Benjamin Hockman. So looking forward to talking uh, talking everything over with Ben Hockman. I've been tried, I was always trying to get him on when I was on 590. Could mm-hmm. never get a, that, just can never get the timing down whenever I was on and whenever he was available. So really looking forward to talking it with him. But the biggest thing we need to talk about, other than mothers killing their kids on Mother's Day... Mm. Is this fear that I found out that Clay Byersdorfer has of identical twins? What? I, yes. Tara, is it real? Tara, Wel- a, uh, Tara Wellman. Shout out to Tara Wellman. Hi, Tara Wellman. For letting us know this. So, how do you? Why do you have a fear of identical twins? I don't understand it. So th- you said you said it could be perfectly rationalized too. 
It can be perfectly rationalized. It, I want to clarify that it's not all twins. So like baby twins. Okay. Cute as hell. Adorable. It's like when people start to fully grow into like young adults in their formative years, I just, it's, it scares the hell out of me. That so the, like Mark Heath, so, Mark Heath and Marcus Morris, they freak you out. Yeah. It's ridiculous how two people can be so similarly alike, both in physical appearance and emotion and personality. And honestly, after watching parent trap as a young guy, like I have that fear that I'll be parent trapped at some point in my life. I got you. It's just, it's not, it's not a comforting feeling. The shining, the twins there. Oh, okay. They, they were spooky, well, but they yeah. were also ghosts. It could have been any set of twins, though. You know who else is spooky? There was a picture of them on the fan page this week that uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Well, yeah, yeah, they look terrible. They scare the hell out of me. I mean, that is that one, she look, one of them looks like she's 62 years old. Yeah, they look really, they have not aged well. Cocaine's no. a hell of a drug. <laughs> Cocaine's Cocaine a hell of a, Cocaine is a, hell hell of a drug. drug. I mean, they, they, look, they look really bad. And I remember when I was drugs in are bad. I shouldn't do drugs because drugs are bad. Okay? I remember when I remember when I was in college when you were still kind of allowed to be creepy without everybody really getting on your case about it. There yeah. was a, a big countdown. <laughs> you were allowed to be creepy. Oh, there was a big <laughs> countdown for Britney Spears to turn eighteen. But yeah, there was a big thing. There was a big countdown for them to turn eighteen. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. So that's that's my fear. It, okay, it's uh, perfectly justified because I don't want to get parent trapped and or confused in a life. Mattering situation. What's your irrational fear? I don't know. I don't think I really have any irrational. Everybody fears. has one. I know no. what mine. I know what mine I, is. I can't think of any. I mean, you like all, it, all my fears are kind of rational. Sharks being burned alive, stuff like that. Rubber bands. I hate you, rubber bands. Rubber. Okay. If you if you were to take a rubber band right now and point it at me, I would cower like this. <laughs> really? Absolutely. Did, were you like shot with them when you were a kid? Bullied. I think by my little brother. Okay. Well, everybody in your family just tortured you. Pretend to smother I, you. Shoot you with rubber bands. Yeah. You let your little brother pick on you. It's amazing oh. you're as normal as you are. Jeez. Oh, drugs. <laughs> drugs are a hell of a thing. My <laughs> I lack my Lexapro. My Lexapro fixes my anxi- anxiety. And you're a big guy, so how big is your brother then if he can get yeah. away with picking on you? Eric uh, is two inches taller than me. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you're, he's, you're not so little brother then. Yeah. You're and what, you're, like 6'3", 6'4"? Six, 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 I'm 6'3". Six, he, six, he's three. like 6'5". I outweigh him. Obviously, I outweigh most people. <laughs> <laughs> so there's your size advantage. Yeah, there's, yes. No. Um... I was always kind-hearted and gentle and, and just and very loving. I got you. So you take advantage a, of that. And he was a shit disturber. Okay. And he had his little buddy and his little and his little buddy Marco, and they would they would drive me nuts. Should have knocked him in the freaking face. I I did. It didn't. I popped him in the mouth one time, and I felt so bad about That's it. That's your problem. You got to pop. How old were you when you did this again? I was in fifth grade. He was in second grade. Okay. I did it on the bus, and I got a bus, and I got a conduct on the bus for punching my brother. <laughs> I mean, I made him bleed. I popped him right in the mouth. Oh wow! Because he was just he was flapping his trap, just being a little shithead, and I uh, and so and we we fought like banshees for years, like banshees, like banshees. That's my mom's. That's a, that's a <laughs> like banshees. That's, that's a wildlings. Wildlings. And we moved in together when I was so in 2003. So I was 26. He was 23. We moved in and we said, we can't fight. We got to be done fighting. We have to handle things like men. <laughs> and we just talked things out. Whenever we had a problem, we just talked it out. And we never had a problem. And we have been, oh, I thought you were going to say, like, you went to the back alley and you just fisted it out. Like, no, not at all. Hand. No, we just said, we can't fight anymore. If we're going to do this, I'm not, I'm not going to live like this for at least a year yeah. where, where we're fighting all the time. That's big of you. And he goes, I agree. I said, I said, let's just get along, and you know, I don't think he, I don't think we disliked each other. I mean, I've always considered him one of my best friends, but it just how brothers are. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to fight. Yeah, you if you have fight. siblings, you're going to fight with your siblings. Yeah, 
just happens. I've so. wrestled with my brother oh, yeah. thousands of times. Yeah, but we haven't God, we haven't fought in, I bet, 20 years. Well, you, I would hope not. You're a middle-aged man. <laughs> it would really, really hurt me <laughs> be right like now. some stepbrothers. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Uh, the only ir- other irrational fear that I can think of, this gentleman by the name of Danny Smith, he's married to my cousin, Holly. He's going to get mad at me for telling this, but I don't care. Um, he is, I mean, he he's a big guy. He's like 6'5". And I mean, he, he's not a, he's not a, a you know a string bean. He's a pretty big dude, and he's afraid of midgets. I can see that. Can you, is that is that the appropriate word is to use? Small little people, little, little people, people, little people. But I mean, like like little people seems to me like it's kind of like a, a broad brush. But okay, like Peter Dinklage, people like Peter Dinklage freak him out, like really freak him out, like to the point where he can't move. Now, is Peter Dinklage a midget or a dwarf? I think is that not the same? No, they're different. They're different things. What makes them different? Is it the chromosome chromosomal makeup? I it's a different chromosomal makeup between a, a midget and a dwarf. Google midget midget uh, versus dwarf. <laughs> Where does Hobbit fit in? in midget oh. versus midget versus dwarf. What kind of things you're going to get on Google? <laughs> make sure you Google make, search that. Yeah, make sure your safe search is on. Yeah, that, that way. that's going to that be, way kind, you get that's gonna be kind of funny. What is the difference between a dwarf and a midget? Yeah, the main difference between a midget and a dwarf is that a midget has normal bodily proportions. Since the term midget is considered offensive, the term little person can be used to refer to a midget or a dwarf. Oh, okay. So it's both. Midget is a derogatory name for a person who is unusually small but well-proportioned. Okay. So someone like Peter Dinklage, though. Yeah. Someone who has, like, they're short, but, like, the abnormal-sized head and hands and feet. That's a dwarf. that, that That would be a dwarf. That freaks them out. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially being a big guy. It's like having a cat run underneath your legs. <laughs> and like they get in between and you fall down the stairs. Oh, yeah. So that's, true. Sure so that's what it is. He's afraid of being tripped. I, I mean, he probably walks up or tries to walk down staircases sweating bullets. There's a, there's a, there's a really funny joke that, uh, that Pat Oswalt has about little people. About how like, like long ago, like if you lose a fight to one, that's how you become one. You He's lose like, a fight to a midget lose, and or dwarf? Yeah, that's to a little how, person. That, then little you person. Ought, we have to stop using the word midget <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's derogatory. If you lose a fight to a little person, you, think you, it's automatically, like using the you automatically <laughs> oh be, you automatically become one. And he's like, you know, mil- millions of years ago, there was only one. And everybody was like, come on, motherfucker! And then, boom, now they're everywhere. Now because they're they, everywhere. Because of that one <laughs> kung fu fighting little person well they have a show now the little uh what's that little fan the little roloff family the i think guy was like i think there's one where they where there's like a family of little people they make cupcakes or they make cakes isn't there i don't know i don't watch any reality tv is that a, i don't either it was on i'm sure it was on bravo or lifetime or something probably bravo is a cake is a cupcake just like a regular size i can't even say that you're all <laughs> you're terrible oh uh, all right does so a, does a cupcake get offended with you don't call it a little cake <laughs> okay i want to talk about what a lot of people on on, uh, on cardinal twitter are talking about mm. and see if you guys agree or disagree with what they're saying but the latest trend on cardinal's twitter uh at least that i've noticed is that apparently dexter fowler doesn't care and is lazy isn't that kind of always been the M.O. with him, though? Like, he's a great team guy, but he's not necessarily, like, the hardest worker. I, I th- Did that I remember- start last week when the Cubs were in town and, and he was buddying oh, I, up? I mean, I, I well, okay. You, you, you see your old friends, you're going to buddy up. 
Did I don't. You? I don't care. I don't. I don't care what uniform you're wearing or whatever. You see your old friends. If you see Absolutely. your old friends, and Dexter Fowler won a World Series with with some of those people over there. If you see them, you're going Did to you say know? hi. Did you know that there's a league? Rule in Major League Baseball against fraternization on the field. I did not know that. Yeah, it is. It you can be. I forgot if they can call you out or if they can call a strike against the batter. But if you're at first base, hand me it up with your buddy who's playing defense. There's a penalty for it. That seems a little ridiculous. (laughs) Think about think about how the game was played back in the day, though. Back in the sixties and fifties and sixties. I mean, those guys they didn't hate each other, but when it was people used to use leeches though when maggots. There was a story. It was a bloodbath. It was it involved Bob Gibson. It was Bob Gibson and somebody else. Anyway, Bob Gibson got on base and goes to first base, and the first baseman's like, "Hey, Gibby, what's up?" Blah blah blah. He says, "Shut the fuck up! I'm playing a game. Or I, <laughs> or I, I'm working." <laughs> and if Gibson tells you to shut the fuck up, you shut up. Well, yeah, I remember we were hearing a story about Bob Gibson where he was on the mound and there was somebody I forgot who it was was digging in at home plate. And Bob Gibson just stared him down while he was digging it in. Then he looked up and saw Bob Gibson staring at him. And then he proceeded to fill the hole back up, saying, I apologize. I did not mean to dig in into the batter's box. But, I mean, like, back to this thing about Dexter Fowler being lazy. I don't think Dexter Fowler is lazy. No, he's not lazy. I mean, like, look, they're not going to play like little leaguers. I don't care how much you want them to. They're not going to play like your little league team. They're not going to play like the way you think you would if you were a major league baseball player. You do not get to the level of the top 1% of what you do for a living if you're lazy. And, I mean, like, could he maybe make some of those catches in the outfield? Yeah, but I think he's lost a step. I don't think he cares. Mm -mm. Believe me, Dexter Fowler cares. He doesn't – it's not like he's out there being like, I don't give a shit. I'm still getting paid whether this ball – whether I catch it or not. You know, maybe that's the way – maybe that's the kind of attitude that you would have. Right. But that's the reason why you are where you are and where Dexter Fowler is where he is. He's going through a slump right now. Yeah, he's awful at the plate. God awful at the plate, and I'm hoping he snaps out of it. But I don't think he's lazy, and I, I'm a, I, I get a little aggravated when I see people say that. I get aggravated. At, well, <clears throat> I also don't think he's lazy, but you made a good point that he's past the twilight portion. Of, well, he's moving into the twilight portion of his career. He's probably, you know, the his deal with the Cardinals is probably his last, like, big deal. Oh, I'm sure know, of it, yeah. Else. Um, he's not the player that he once was. So while he may not be able to get to a ball, some people still take that as he's being lazy, but I'm sure he's a good guy. You make a good point. Like you can't be a professional athlete and be necessarily lazy. Um, but I think the frustration for himself, his self frustration, um, the fact that he knows that he's probably not the player that he once was, it probably shows a little more physically than he probably wants to put out. And that's why people have that perception. If you follow his wife on Twitter, Mm-hmm. Apparently, like the slump is really affecting things at home too, because she's like, <laughs> "If I hear him talk about his swing one more time, <laughs> it sounds like she's ready for the slump to be over too." And as much as Yachty's infallible in the eyes of many, I remember hearing the same, same kind of criticism about Yachty too, about like how he doesn't hustle down the line, you know, for a ground out. Mm-hmm. You know, look look at him not really running down the line whenever he grounds out to second. It's like, you know okay. who started that narrative? Al Raboski during a broadcast. Okay, yeah, and, and he did. And like you should have heard Al. I don't know if you heard the game today but whenever whenever they took uh Wayno out of the game you would have thought that they were carrying him to the grave the way that uh Dan and Al were talking about I mean they were pretty it was, they it was were pretty st- they were pretty solemn but but back to Yachty mm-hmm. okay so you want your 30 your, your mid 30 year old catcher to be sprinting hell's bells down the first baseline 
for a play that he's not going to beat out and then have him pull a hamstring and then have him be on the DL for God knows how long. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's an injury that will nag him the rest of the year because you want to see him hustle down the first baseline like you want your little league team to do. That's yeah. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm sorry, it's stupid. I can you tell can tell that. them that it, it does. It bothers me. You can tell. I mean, you you can be angry about the money that they make all they want. You know what? If it bothers you that much, quit watching the game and quit going to the games. If it bothers you that much, then go to little league games. Go to American Legion games. If all you want to see is hustle, I don't even know if you see a hustle in American. <laughs> well, you might, I guess. I think it's. It, you make a great point. Like the narrative about. Yachty, you know, is, is very much the same in some regard. But what the difference is, is Yachty still continues to produce somewhat towards like, yes, he's playable, you know, as opposed to Fowler, who's like, he should not even sniff the starting lineup at, with how he's playing right now. The way, well, the way he's batting. The way yeah. he's batting. The problem with that is, is that kind of, well, I mean, Harrison Bader is actually starting to hit a little bit. Yeah. He, he had a pretty good day today mm-hmm. on, on the, this Sunday on Mother's Day in San Diego. Yep. But it's, it's not like anybody else from the outfield has really been tearing it up. So you're kind yeah. of starting Dexter, Dexter Fowler for a lack of better options right. at this point. And to that point, I mean, he, um, Fowler's not the only one that's struggling right now. You you said it. I mean, he's one of probably four or five guys. Ozuna, Carpenter. Uh, Ozuna's not hitting for power. His, his average is, is decent. It's not right. great. Right. And his RBI total isn't, isn't terrible. Right. He doesn't, he's just not hitting any home runs. Right. Which is, I mean, I mean – he hit a lot last year, so he comes in with that kind of expected man. Oh, sure, absolutely. But there's a lot that goes into it. But I don't, I don't expect, or I don't, you know, really see the narrative of Dexter Fowler being lazy, being anything worth prominence. You know, the rest of the year, I think it's really just he's struggling at the plate, and it's it's very very evident, big time. Yeah, and I, I hope he snaps out of it. I hope Carpenter snaps out of it too. Imagine where I hate to think about this. <clears throat> Could you imagine how bad this offense would be if it wasn't for Tommy Pham? Tommy Pham and like you know Jed Jerko, Jose Martinez, Jose Martinez, Yadier Molina for the first you know six weeks of the season, who was hitting about four hundred. It's and but, Jose Martinez. He still makes me nervous out in the field. Then we saw that Saturday night with that yeah. throw across the diamond that short hopped. Yeah, I mean he. The, I did not know this. He's he has not played first base until he got to the Cardinals. This is like a yeah. whole new experiment. It's not, he's not a fine and first base. Yeah, by that any was means. no. He's not a Gold Glover. He could so, be someday. So I mean. I'm, so we get rid of Matt Adams, who was a naturally first, a natural first baseman, but we have him in the outfield, even though he's never played outfield before. Mm-hmm. And then we get rid of Matt Adams, and now I forgot where he's at. Is he in Washington? He's, Nat- he's an attitude. He's, okay, he's, he's, he's part. He's part of the Nationals, and three sixty, and he's <laughs> yeah. hitting pretty well there. He playing every day. Uh, I think because of injuries, he was more or less like every day or every other day. So, you know, maybe we could have just hung on to Matt Adams a little bit. Well, hindsight I mean, is yeah. It always is. <laughs> who did they get for him? Some short, some Who knows? I don't even remember who it was. Players in uniform should not address or mingle with spectators, <laughs> nor sit in the stands before, during, or after a game. No manager, coach, or player shall address any spectator before or during a game. Players of opposing teams shall not fraternize at any time while in uniform. You know why they have this rule in place. Uh, fighting? No, I have I have no idea. Gambling? Gambling? Who? Pete Rose? Nineteen nineteen. Oh, Black Sox. Black Sox. Okay. Yep, that's why they gotcha. have this rule in place. So no fraternizing. Yep. Get, when you're out there in the field, it doesn't say what the penalty is. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's fraternize a little bit with Ben Hockman. 
Absolutely. St. Louis Post Dispatch. We're going to talk to him well, about St. Louis v- sports. We're going to talk to him about good sports. <laughs> and we're going to talk to him about his new book, uh, The Big 50 St. Louis Cardinals, The Men in the Moments. Uh, ben Hockman from the St. Louis Post Dispatch. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Joining us on the phone is St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist and author of the new book, The Big 50, St. Louis Cardinals, The Men and the Moments. You can follow him on Twitter at Hockman. Benjamin Hockman, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing well, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to uh, to having you on. I know when I was on Five Ninety, the fan, and you were on, I could never we can I could never get you on my show because you were you're such a busy guy that you're you're hard to track down. You're in demand. I think that's the only way to describe me. I'm I'm in demand. I'm a uh, I am what you will a D minus list uh, persona. <laughs> <laughs> well, give yourself some credit. Yeah, there. come on, at least a D plus. Wow, right. Ben, how long are you? How long have you been back in St. Louis now, running for the Post? It's been five years. No, not even. I came back in the in the fall of 2015. Okay. I arrived, I arrived just in time to uh, jinx the 100 win Cardinals uh, from not uh, winning a playoff game. <laughs> it was all you. Now we have well, now we have a scapegoat. When you arrived in 2015, I think a lot of people kind of saw you as Bernie Miklas' replacement because that was right around the time that he left the Post Dispatch. Did you feel like any added pressure to be replacing Bernie? Oh my God! Of course. I mean. He he was the sports columnist at the newspaper since 1989, and he is and remains a sports voice in our town. I always looked up to him as a writer, as a journalist, as a sports thinker, and uh, I still do to this day, even though I've got this gig. Uh, the new book, um, is this is an idea that you've been working on for some time, or did it come together fairly quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean it, it just it feels good to uh, to have that gig and. I worked hard to get it, and uh, Bernie is the man. Did, did you did you hear my question? No, I'm sorry. I, I we'll, said we'll, we'll we'll reload that. Yeah, we'll, we'll we can, we can we'll, edit that yeah, out. We can edit that out. <laughs> uh, on the new book, is this an idea that you've been working on for some time, or did it come together fairly quickly? Oh, the book. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I've been working on it the whole life. I mean, if I may, I mean, it's something that I've always wanted to do. And I've gathered Cardinal stories uh, since I was, you know, in single digits. Uh, but once I came back to St. Louis, I was like, you know what? Here's an opportunity for me to tell some stories and have them been told. And selfishly, here's an opportunity uh, for me to meet some uh, people in Cardinal fandom and uh, in Cardinal lore that I never met before to interview for the book. That's great. Uh, ben, honestly, w- what is the hardest part about writing a book? I mean, I've always wondered the process, what goes into it, and it seems very lengthy, and people seem just very tired after they write a book. Are you very tired? Yeah, because, I mean, I take every sentence seriously. So if I, if I write a column for the Post-Dispatch, I mean, that takes a, you know, a few hours. Well, this is like 50 columns, basically, for the Post-Dispatch. So um, it's, it's kind of like a marathon I'm, I'm a little out of shape. I've never run a marathon, but you know, we always hear these people say, like, oh, when you're training, it's so hard, and you'll never do it again. You say that, you say that, you say that, and then once you finish it, you're like, I can't wait to do this again. And I feel like that was my experience writing this book. Because this is your second book. Your first one was about uh, uh, Tulane University's football team and the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina when you were writing in New Orleans, correct? Yes, yes. I was I was young at the time. Uh, I happened to be covering uh, the football team from Tulane when 
tragedy struck New Orleans, and I just kind of felt like I was there to document these tales and, and share them with the masses. And you went from a city with all four major sports in Denver to a city that at the time when you arrived at three and is now down to two. Are there ever any times when you're looking at your laptop and, and you ask yourself, what am I going to write about today? <laughs> well, honestly, it's a fun challenge. And, I mean, I, I love St. Louis. You know, I love the, uh, the fabric of the city. I love the, the quirky stories that make our city fun. And, and also, I like finding stories that, that we might not know of. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a woman that, that ran the St. Louis Marathon, and she doesn't have a leg. She has, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. She, she uh, you know, she persevered, uh, she, and she ran the, the marathon and completed it. So I kind of looked at it as like an honor to, uh, to write the story that hadn't been told about this runner in the St. Louis Marathon. Ben, speaking of things uh, that you've been working on or writing about, how cool is it to see Jason Tatum, uh, you know, be such a cog in the Boston Celtics machine and be, you know, gosh, two years ago playing for Chaminade, lighting it up? How cool is that to see? It, it's so cool. It's, it's surreal. I mean, I covered the NBA for many years before I became a columnist. And, I mean, the best players weren't that good as rookies. I mean, they obviously every year there's a rookie of the year and all that. But like LeBron didn't make the playoffs his first year. And I'm not saying that Jason Tatum is better than these guys, but I'm just saying it is such a rare scenario where a rookie can play at such a high level in the postseason. And we're seeing it with our town's Jason. They won today. They're up 1-0 against LeBron and the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Carrying on uh, about high school athletes, at the end of last year, Ben, you wrote a, an incredible, incredibly moving piece on Jake Bain, the running back yeah. from uh, John Burroughs, who's going to go play football at, at Indiana State. Do you still get comments about that story, positive or negative? And if so, yeah, what, what's, yeah. the, what's the best thing that came out of that story? I, I read the story to begin with when the first day it came out, and it was absolutely moving and incredible it was it was a great thing for the for the holiday season yeah i sincerely appreciate your kind words i mean i've always looked at it like this i feel like sports fans i mean there's such a mixed bag of sports fans and and a lot of us are, are kind of behind the times in regards to acceptance and such but because sports is such a powerful thing i'm like well there are lessons to be taught in sports so i always wanted to find an athlete uh, who played a major sport, if you will, football or basketball or baseball or hockey, and, and was gay and out of the closet. And uh, I, I not only found an athlete, but I found a state championship winning running back who ran for 255 yards in the state title game. Uh, next year he comes out of the closet, he's named team captain, and he, was, and he just finished his, his high school career at John Burroughs. And, and yeah, it's not all rosy for him. There's there are a lot of mean things were said to him, were continued to be said at him and to him, especially on social media. But I looked at it as, as an opportunity as a writer to kind of have sports fans take a look in the mirror and say, all right, if I loved these athletes yesterday, why should I not all of a sudden just because I found out the guy uh, likes guys instead of girls? Ben, when you write a story like that and you go to the 
stltoday.com comment section, which is usually a place of very well thought out. If, if, if you're brave to go oh, there. Yeah. Very well, yeah. Very well thought out thoughts. Uh, usually, you know, very loving place to go. Yeah, obviously, I'm being facetious. How do you how do you personally deal with you know with the narrow mindedness of some people in the in the readership of the post dispatch? It's frustrating, of course, but it's also maybe I can flip it and say it's it's motivating because the more pieces I write like that, uh, maybe some change will be made. And, and like honestly, like the two most fulfilling things that came out of writing this story, one was. Um, meeting, uh, I met. A, I was at John Burroughs, I went back there, and I met uh, another player on the football team who had come out of the closet, and he was inspired by Jake and Jake's story. So, like, one, there's, there's that, and then, two, is that the, the few emails I did get from people saying, like, hey, man, you really uh, helped me rethink things uh, in regards to, you know, the LGBT community. And it was like, man, like, that's what it's all about. Like, I can write a thousand articles about the Cardinals and Adam Wainwright, and I just finished one right now about him. And you can write about, you know, everyday sports all the time, but if you can help change society in a small, small, small way, but still help change society, that is wildly nourishing. No doubt. Uh, ben, I want to talk about your wife for a minute, uh, lovely actress, writer, producer, voiceover artist, uh, Angela Hockman. Do you guys feel like you're a power couple in St. Louis? I always <laughs> wanted to know. <laughs> that's funny to say. I'm Have you been invited anywhere by a live magazine yet? Yeah, that's are, that's what, really, are you guys really the, the true what, measure of a power what, what, what couple are you guys, in St. Louis. What, what are you guys wearing to the royal wedding next weekend? There's a <laughs> <the> real question. <laughs> Do you guys just feel like you're the coolest people in every single restaurant and place that you go? Because that's how I would feel. Oh, man, when we walk into the Applebee's and Fenton, it's like, <laughs> look at them. Look at them. There they are. And you talk about a live magazine. I've, we've yet to hear from them, but the Jewish light is all over. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, there. Love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, joining us on the phone is uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist uh, Benjamin Hockman. He's, uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Hockman. He, make sure you pick up his new book, uh, the the Big 50, St. Louis Cardinals, The Men and the Moments. I bought it for my mom and gave it to her yesterday for Mother's Day, and she loved it. So uh, I had to thank you for that. Go moms. Awesome. Uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, turning back to the Cardinals, uh, your colleague there, uh, Jose, uh, Jesus Ortiz, Jose de Jesus Ortiz, he wrote a column about getting Manny Machado from the Baltimore Orioles. If you were to advise the Cardinals on how to do that, what do you think the best approach would be? Would you make a midseason trade and then spend the next few months trying to uh, convince him to stay? Or do you take your chances in the bidding war in the offseason? That, that's a great question. I know it's a tough topic to write about because, I mean, the reality is I think we kind of got lucky for a few years there with McGuire and, and Edmonds and some of these guys that were, were traded to St. Louis, Matt Holiday, of course, who fell in love with the city and signed. And, and of course, we're very proud of, of our fandom here in St. Louis and the organization is, is you know, the benchmark of the National League, the most World Series wins. But the idea that, you know, you can just tell some stories about Ozzy and Stan Musial and anybody will want to come, of course, doesn't necessarily work in this modern age. And, and Manny Machado 
I mean, he'll appreciate Sam Musial's stories, but it's not going to make or break his deal. He's going to want to win and make the most money possible, and there's going to be better teams on offering him money in the free agent market. So you look at this situation, I mean, can, can you buy a championship this year? Does, can, what will you have to give up to get Manny Machado just for three months uh, in, in St. Louis? And is it worth it? And as we saw in the offseason, the Cardinals were very hesitant to trade some of these young arms, notably uh, Hicks and Flaherty, mm. and, and we're finding out why. I mean, these are guys that his stuff plays at the big league level. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of dancing around the question because I don't have like a uh, hard and fast, like trade these guys, sure, but don't trade these guys type thing. But it's just something where – it's easy for us to sit around and say, oh, just trade a bunch of prospects. It's Manny Machado. Let's get his services for three months or whatever the math is. But the reality is if it was Clarity and Hicks, you wouldn't want it. You probably wouldn't have wanted it done that way. Sure. Good and point. I think a lot of times like you brought up McGuire and you brought up Edmonds and you brought up Matt Holiday. And those three guys, they were kind of like at different points in their lives too. By then, I believe all three were married and all three had kids. I mean, if you're a young single guy and, you know, you got a couple, you know, $100 million in the bank, I really don't think that the, the St. Louis nightlife is probably going to be cutting it for you. You're probably going to want something a little more exciting. What are you talking Once about? Once again, a live magazine. <laughs> get, get, get a live magazine over to Manny Machado's place now. Manny Machado could own Wheelhouse if he wanted. Well, yeah. They want to go easily, to the bargaining but table, <laughs> you offer Wheelhouse. Say, so, you know what? You can have a quarter of Ballpark there, Village. There you go. What, what, for what, the what, what section would you like? Right. Just tell the Orioles you can pick one section. It's yours. I like it. <laughs> uh, ben Hockman, uh, we appreciate you joining, uh, uh, spending some time with us. And I got one final question. Well, I have one final question, too. Okay, oh, well, Andy, you, Andy, you go first. Well, I want to know when the, rider, when the rider's block is coming back. <laughs> oh, my gosh, the rider's block. The old show with me and Ben Fredrickson, Chris Gardner, and Derek Gould. And oh, yeah. Seth behind the glass and sometimes haircut behind the glass. Right. Uh, <laughs> You know, we uh, we have the best podcast in baseball, which is actually the seventh best podcast in baseball. We do that at the Post-Dispatch. We did have a little reunion on there a couple months ago, which was fun. But it, it's kind of like uh, I don't know, Freaks and Geeks or uh, one, of these, one of these famous TV shows that ended too soon. But then we look back over time and say, that was brilliant. Yeah, the writer's block was uh, was, it was really entertaining. It was it some was. darn good radio. I yeah, really, I was, was, was I always enjoyed listening to it. And I remember I was the voiceover guy. You're listening to the writer's block with Ben Hockman, yeah. Ben Fredrickson, <laughs> and Derek Gould on CBS Sports 920 and InsideSTL.com. <laughs> Maybe sound cooler than I really am. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the question I have is, what's the over under a number of times that you're in an airport in another city and someone thinks that you're Elijah Wood? <laughs> oh my God! Well, oh man! I used to cover the NBA, and I was traveling constantly. Uh, I, I mean, I would say at least once a week, someone thought I was Frodo. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I even got to meet Frodo once, and I interviewed him for a story about he and I. And I referred to myself as the Lord of the Onion Rings. <laughs> Lord of the Onion Rings. <laughs> I like that. Ben, who was the best-dressed guy in the NBA? Now, when, when Gould got here to St. Louis, he was telling guys in the, in the, in the, in the Blues press box that Jalen Rose was the, <laughs> of, actually of Denver Nuggets oh, fame, yeah. too, was the best-dressed. Who was the best-dressed guy you ever saw? Well, I mean, what do you define as best-dressed? Because, I mean, clearly you could talk about Kevin Garnett, who just wore a suit 
Yeah. So well. Who was okay? Who was the most outrageously best dressed? Because like, Gould, Gould would say that that Jalen Rose would wear like these would wear these suit coats that like went down to his ankles. <laughs> well, well, Russell Westbrook who I covered a lot because the Nuggets played them in a playoff series, and I was around him a lot. He had no shame, and None. he took it to the point where he took things that were like, like, like no one could question it. It was an ugly shirt. A hundred. <laughs> percent of people would say it was an ugly shirt but he would wear it so confidently <laughs> that he would somehow make it a cool shirt <laughs> <laughs> then his beast broke who's gonna go up to him and say hey man uh right. what, what, take what, that what, shirt yeah, off there's a reason for a back of the closet it's, it's that shirt <laughs> ben uh thanks ag- ben thanks again for making time for us and good luck with the book hey i sincerely appreciate you having me on your questions are fun and uh see you guys on twitter all right thanks ben thanks, thanks ben. ben see ya take care bye-bye that is Benjamin Hockman of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You can follow him on Twitter at Hockman. Read him at stltoday.com. Uh, fun conversation. Of the, he did not disappoint. Always looking forward to a long t- for a long time to, to talking with him, and uh, I'm glad we finally got to finally I, got we just on. We got to hold, – hold, hold on. We just got – we got the opening segment. We talked about midgets and dwarves, and then you go right into Frodo with him. I got to think for sure people today. What can I say? I don't know. It's the Mother's Day theme. <laughs> I'm glad that he was uh, willing to play ball and BS with us, with us a little bit. It made it. Uh, made oh it, yeah, he's, 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 he's always been a fun. Every time I've talked to him, he's been a, a fun guy. The, so. the, fun guy. the writer's blog was was a fun radio. It was. Show. Yeah, it was. I liked it a lot. Um, I was going to talk to you guys about. Okay, so <clears throat> the game on Saturday night, I did not watch most of it. I, I did see some of it. Okay, and I didn't see it live, but I saw it on Twitter the next day about what Dan McLaughlin did. Apparently there was a fly ball that Marcelo Zuna caught in left field, and he was going to toss the ball to a young fan at ah, Petco yes. Park in San Diego, and the, the young lad did not catch the ball. He looked like, how old do you think that kid was? Like maybe seven, eight? I was going to say, could have been more than like first or second grade. I yeah, feel I like. mean, he was, he was pretty young. Yeah. And he missed the catch. It went over his glove or something like that. Another kid went over there, pounced on it, and ran away with the ball. So the kid who was supposed to catch the ball kind of sat there and he kind of pouted. And I think there were actually even tears, even... Uh, it was pretty emotional moment. He, he, he was very upset that it he was. did not get the ball. And Dan McLaughlin saw that and they found a game-used ball and had a member of the Fox Sports Midwest crew, I guess who was available at the time. I think it was a camera guy. Down, down Might have been a camera Had to have been a camera red, guy, yeah. yeah because I can't, I can't imagine stu- it was yeah. someone in the booth that had run no. all the way over to the other side of the stadium. I think he just set his camera down and got him the ball. That could be. Yeah. Okay, so and got the kid the ball, and then uh, Dan was even saying, hey, you know what, maybe we can have him even like have him come up here in the booth. Yeah. And uh, like we're not going to put him on the air, but maybe he'll have fun just kind of sitting in here and, and watching us work. And I'm like, okay, th- like this is all extraordinarily nice. All this kid did was he didn't catch a ball. He was I a mean, nerd. He got alpha. Basically, yeah. He was a beta. And okay. I guess what I'm I'm, I'm going to sound like a complete and total asshole. No. I guess. <laughs> all right. I mean, after our first opening ten minutes, yeah, I think we're, I, I, we're I know already it's, down the it, rabbit it, hole. It's going to be a it's going to be a hard uh, a hard to turn to the right here. It definitely is. But just because this kid didn't catch a ball and like this is. He's going to get, you know, to go into the booth and the broadcast booth and hang out with, with Dan and Al and all this other different stuff because why? Because he cried on TV because he didn't catch a ball? It's a society we live in. Everyone, I mean, my everyone, God. This is almost as bad as, did you guys see the New Jersey cheerleader thing 
the law that they passed for the school district that everyone who tried out for the cheerleading has to team, make it now. Uh, this is exactly the same thing. Yeah, we're it's reward, ridiculous. We reward everybody. We reward the youth. Uh, the, to me, it, it's almost as bad as okay. This is something that I've been railing about for a long time. I have never caught a foul ball. Have you ever caught a foul ball in the game? I have caught a foul ball. I okay. had Yachty throw me a ball because I was sitting right behind the dugout one time. Okay, Yachty threw me, and I think he threw me the ball. He looked at me. And threw the ball at me. I would say that's him throwing the ball at you. Then mm. I would okay. say so too. Yeah. Okay, but I, I've, I've, I have never had that happen to me before. Mm-hmm. I know where you're going, and it, and it happened to me. Okay, so if I catch a foul ball, according to now society's rules, if I catch a foul ball and some random little kid who I do not know, if he asked me for the ball, right. I have to give him the ball. Or you're and an I asshole. Think, I, you know what? I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I think it is. It too. is bullshit. And if I don't so know, know what, if I don't do you know, know they, this kid just because he asked for, it, I had to right. give him the ball. What's next? If he asked for ten dollars, I got to give him ten dollars too. How about my you know life? The, you know what the answer is? I figured out what the answer is. What's the answer? I'm giving it to my nephew. You so you lie? You lie? Who cares if you lie? I mean, I'm giving him now. The, the problem is when I got called out by it, it was from friends of my parents sitting back behind me, and they know you don't have a nephew. Uh, <laughs> I could I could have said my girlfriend's nephew. At the okay, time. sure. So I mean, there was some nephew to give it to. So you okay. have to make a choice. So you're either a liar or. But you're I've never asshole. caught a ball, and I wanted to keep the damn ball. Yeah, and I ended up giving it to some little kids. Okay, and I just it, it, you know what and I think I, that's, I think it's a shame. And because I, it just, is a shame just because some little kid asked for it doesn't mean you're supposed to give it. You to You know him. the worst part about it? That little kid has his parents have season tickets down there. Mm-hmm. And I said, how many foul balls do you have? He's probably got like 20. Eight. Yeah. You little I bastard. Said, Are you kidding me? I would have punched him in the face. <laughs> I almost struck said, a child. I almost said, give it back. <laughs> I'll tell you oh, guys. What, it it would have been tempting. Let me tell you guys. Oh, I, I'm with you. You know what? It would have been tempting. I, it would Because that, that ball's not special to him. No. No, it's special to me. I'm almost at the time. How old was I? 30? 29, 30 years old. I never caught a foul ball. I still haven't caught a foul ball. Well, and you know what happens now? If you catch one, there's going to be some little. It's only sh- right. There's it's gonna only going to get worse. You're going to give that to the small <laughs> kids, aren't you? I no, one, I'm not. I remember one time. I heard this is when Bob Carpenter was still calling the games for the Cardinals. Yeah. And there was some guy who caught a ball, and this little kid, you know, I mean, and it, he caught the ball. It wasn't like you know he had. A, there was a scramble for it. The ball was hit like right to him, and he caught it barehanded. If there's a yeah. scramble, the kids get it. No. If there's if, a scramble. No way. If you it's, can okay. muscle in the middle of a scramble. But if, you, no, hang like on. A but if you're a man, oh if you're a man, if you're a grown man and you if you wrestle the ball away from a little kid, then you are an asshole. You are an asshole. But then, if then, you then catch I would it, give the ball to the kid. If you catch it, unless you're wearing a glove, unless you're the grown man with a glove with the ballpark. But okay, but what going you, back to the, going back to the Bob Carpenter story, this yes. ball was hit right to this guy, and the guy caught it with his bare hand. Yes. He deserves and to keep it. This little kid went up to this guy and tugged on his shirt and like stuck his hand out like he wanted the ball. And the guy's like, no, I'm not giving it to you. And Barb Carpenter goes, hey, buddy, you give that kid that ball. He said that on the air. And I'm like, if I was <laughs> like, if I heard that, I'd be like, hey, Bob, if that little kid wants the ball, he, he can, can bleep and it. catch it. Because I caught this ball fair and square. Just because some little kid that I don't know wants it doesn't mean I had to yep. give it to him. Exactly. How, I mean, like I said, what's next? $10? I had to buy the kid a hot dog? I had to make him the beneficiary of my life insurance policy? How about my 401k? Where's the line end? Yep. Where does it end? Where does it stop? Where does it end? <laughs> they're all just little street rats. They, they really are. They're, they're, all a bunch of like little, they're all a bunch of little Oliver Twists running around. That's what they are. That's I'll, what they are. I'll tell you guys a quick story of my, my experience with foul balls. One, uh, I caught one uh, probably five, six years ago. It was off the bat of um, Skip Schumacher. Caught a foul ball, 
the only other time I've come in contact with the ball was we were playing the Mets. I can't remember. It's also probably within the last seven, eight years. Um, and Carlos Delgado, I was sitting right field seats, like right near the foul pole. And Carlos Delgado hits a screaming line drive right at us. Okay. Whole time I'm thinking like, I got this, I got this. Things started coming real, real hot. <laughs> and I reach up my hand and at the last minute. I'm like, no, fuck this. And I pull my hand down and it cracks the guy right behind me. Oh, no. In his hands. And I heard the bones break oh. in this man's hand. And I turn around and this guy's hand is just bloody. It's hanging like just a loose thread. I, I mean, I, we left the game early because it was so disturbing to look at. Well, I mean, why did he still sit there with a with a mangled, nard mangled hand? Why didn't he well, go to the ER? No, I mean, he like almost blacked out from the pain because the well, ushers. Yeah, he should have gone. He should have gone to the doctor. Well, well, the ushers came over. Yeah, and they sure, were like, like in the oh, immediate like, seconds okay, after. Right. Yeah, they were like, "Don't move! Like you're bleeding. Your hand is really messed up." And I was like, "Can't do this anymore." I will tell you guys though, I ended up on baseball tonight because of that. <laughs> so, was it like, look at this schmuck? Well, it was. They replayed the highlight. You could just see me standing there going, "Oh my god." <laughs> Guy messed his on hand up. this week in baseball. <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. Oh no, He's not not uh, Mel Allen. No, the, the other baseball tonight. The, yeah, yeah. The, this week in baseball was uh, Mel Allen. Remember the baseball bunch when you were a kid? Oh yeah, I remember that. You're probably you're too young. Uh, yeah, so I don't remember. But that, that was oh, that was Johnny Bench in the baseball bunch. This week in baseball was appointment television. Yes, it was at eleven thirty or noon, right before the NBC Saturday game of the week. I think it last aired like 10 years ago. They still yeah. had Mel Allen do like the voiceover at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, after Mel had been dead for, I don't know, 20 years probably. <laughs> yeah, he'd been dead a long time. I think Mel was 90 in 1990. Speaking of dead, what the hell happened to San Diego? I'm not, I'm not talking about the Padres. I'm talking about like the city itself. I mean, 3.3 million people, and they have one major league franchise, and that's the Padres, and that's it. I mean, it's that's not, amazing. Have you, ever, have you ever been to San Diego? Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I love it there. I think it's the weather. It's really like. In, in a positive way. I it's think, so nice people, all the yeah, time. People don't want to go to football and baseball games. I, I guess that's it. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's, it's become more of a resort and convention town, too. Yeah. Well, they hold the it's um, the winter, like the winter meetings are there or no something like GM's being something prominent for MLB front office. Well, the, like the, the original comic, the original Comic Con is there. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. And you're forgetting about a huge bowl game. The oh, ho- yeah. The holiday bowl. Yeah. but like i used to listen to i mean i wouldn't say a lot but during the whole relocation process anytime that you had somebody who was going to be on either in san diego la or here talking about relocation you were going to listen like Mm. if there was uh you know if howard balzer was going to be on or if vinnie bonsignor was going to be on or daniel kaplan from the sports business journal Mm -hmm. if any of those people were going to be on talking relocation you listened so i would listen to like the mighty 1090 would have, you know, they would have Howard on every once in a while or they would have Amy Trask on every once in a while sure. to talk about it. And mm-hmm. I'm listening to it and I'm like, God, I was, remember thinking to myself, God, if the, if the Chargers leave, they're just going to have the Padres and that's pretty much it. I mean, I know they got San Diego State, they have the Aztecs, but could you imagine if you were trying to be like in the sports media in San Diego? It's, it's got to be tough. Something will happen. They'll get. They'll either get an NBA team or, oh, or, well, I mean, they, or, an, or an NFL team. Will they, well, I mean, they had an NBA team, but uh, your boy Donald Sterling bought them and moved them to, to LA. I will tell you this: I'd rather go to San Diego than LA if I'm going on vacation for a week. 
I've oh, never been, isn't, I, isn't the traffic better? It's like it, San Diego is ten times better than LA. I've yeah. never I've never been to Los Angeles, so I would go to Los Angeles just because I want to go been. to Los Angeles once. But, but I, San Diego's but, beautiful. But once yeah. you see Los Angeles once, you'd never go back. Well, go people, back to San Diego. Well, people yeah. I've talked to founded go, by the Germans, you know. <laughs> I mean a whale's vagina. Whale's vagina. Um, everybody I've talked to that's been to LA either loves it or hates it. There's no one. There's I've I've yet to meet somebody who's been to LA and went meh. It was okay. Yeah. You either love it or they can't stand it. Everything is freaking expensive as hell. Well, yeah, San Diego's like that too. Everything in California's expensive. Well, I t- I just feel everything things are feels, more expensive. I feel like it's more expensive in L.A. Almost the traffic. You will literally sit in traffic for three hours, and everyone is just okay with it. There's this girl on Twitter. She used to be on Barstool, and now she does. She has like her own podcast. I'm gonna try to maybe get her on in the next couple of weeks. Her name is uh, Sophie Julia, and she is. I mean, she's a ten out of ten, and. <laughs> Uh, she's she, a ten out of. 10. She's a. I mean, she's she's. A, yeah, she, if she was a mom, she she would have a twenty four seven hotness license. What's okay. her no problem? Sophie Julia, Sophie and like, she used to be Julia. part of Barstool. And now she has her own podcast, and she lives in Manhattan Beach. Oh, she's uh, neat. And she was talking about uh, like moving out there was one of the best things she's ever did. And I, I tweeted at her, "Can you tell me how to afford your, how you afford your rock and roll lifestyle?" And she, you know, quoted my tweet and said something about like, it's not that hard because all I do is like, yo, you know, I, I go to work, I go to, I work out and then I go to the beach. So I, I go on Trulia, which is a app that you could use to find apartments Sure. and typed in Manhattan Beach. And yeah, good luck trying to find something you could possibly afford in Manhattan Beach, California. I think the cheapest one I saw was maybe 1850 a month. Hmm. That was the cheapest apartment that I saw. Everything else was like four or five thousand dollars a month. Some were like thirty five thousand dollars a month, but they were like mansions right there on the beach. She has very oh. small boobs. Uh, she's a she was who dated uh, Tyler Sagan from uh, Dallas. Okay, stars. Okay, of, yeah, that was a couple of years ago. I, I knew I remembered her. Jennings would call her neat. <laughs> Jennings would call her neat. Yeah. <laughs> I think the cat would call her a, a delight. She's a delight. She's a delight. Let's see if we can Boy, get her look on. At but that. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> okay, weirdo. Stop. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, she's there in, her, in a freaking Halloween costume. Okay, yeah. Let's, so I, I, I will try to see if I can maybe uh-huh. book her in the next couple of weeks. Goodness. But um, Hey, I, I, we can talk to her about wearing a Hartford Whalers jer- uh, jersey. There's a picture of her. I mean, she's, she was part of Barstool. We could talk about. She did the Life of videos. I remember those. Yeah, we could talk to her about what it was like to work with Barstool. I mean. Because it was still, even when she was on, it was not as big as it is now. Not even close. Yeah. Barstool's think, huge now. I don't even think they were in New York yet. I'm, I'm not a big Barstool guy. I don't hate them, but I don't love them. But uh, they're pretty big now. You can't uh, you can't deny that. Content kills. I mean, they got their own channel on Sirius. Wow. They did. Yeah, they got their own channel. We do not have our own cha- channel on Sirius. We do not, no. <laughs> Maybe one day. Hey, Barstool started where we started one time. Let's remember that. They, they were They were this size one time. They were. One. I think the thing I don't like about Barstool is that they're a little too much Boston against the world, and that gets annoying they are. real quick. See, I don't mind it I because see. I I enjoy it because it really is. I enjoy watching the hate that you know comes at them and just their just how they come back. It's not always coherent or like the right thing to okay, say, but, but it's da- funny. Okay, and Dave Dave Portnoy, who started Barstool, he was weeping after the Patriots got their ass kicked week one by the Chiefs, weeping. Openly weeping. I'm not talking like the Indian in the commercial with like the lone tear down the cheek, <laughs> like crying at a funeral because the Patriots lost week one. Like seriously, dude. He's passionate, passionate fan. I, I can't imagine being that passionate about any sports team. Um, it's going to wrap up this episode of the Last Man Up. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. You can follow Clay at Ton of Clayton, and you can follow Andy at Emo6. I think we're in double digits. I think this is episode 10. Episode Look 10. at us, episode 10. I hope everybody uh, has a great day, and we will catch you on the other side.